Isaiah chapter 40. I want to show you tonight in three or four scriptures, three, four, five, three scriptures, how we can prepare for revival. Oh, please be lifting up Jennifer. She lost her grandpa, Jennifer uh, Hubino. Lost her grandpa just a few hours ago. And so she's heading to Arkansas to the funeral. So be lifting her. He was saved. Thank God. But we need to lift up. Uh, she asked that we would lift up her family, that they would get saved for those that are not saved. But her grandpa was saved and is in heaven. Amen. But it was, uh, uh, she called me about three or four hours ago and she's on her way. So be lifting up. Christoph's here tonight. So I'll be praying for her. And we've got a lot of people sick. A lot of viruses going around. So just pray for the, anybody that's not here tonight. Isaiah 40, verse 3. Say amen if you're there. These verses right here, just these one, two, three verses can teach us how to prepare for revival. So if you're taking notes, this will be called prepping yourself for revival. Verse 3, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight, and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Father, for the next couple minutes, we open our hearts, our minds, and our spirits. As we go over these key verses that we go over, Lord, as we prepare for revivals. That every time a revival comes around, Lord, we would not, not only personally be ready for revival, but as a church as a corporate body, as your kingdom, Lord. We would prepare for what you want to do in us individually and what you want to do in our church and what you want to do in our city. And Lord, we come against every strategy and bind every strategy of the enemy tonight and declare victory over this revival already and declare souls are going to be saved, lives are going to be changed, miracles are going to take place and Lord, we're going to grow as a church in every area of our lives. And we thank you for this word for the next couple of minutes. Let it resonate in our spirits and let it get deep down into our souls tonight. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So we're going to read this one more time in just a second. But I did remember the other thing I was going to announce. That after conference, sorry, after the revival and before conference, the first week of uh, October, we're going to have a baptism. So not only quite a few people that have gotten saved in the last few weeks and months, but also hopefully those that get saved in the revival. Uh, we need to do our best to try to get people baptized. It's not for salvation, but it's important. Okay? It's a symbol of salvation. And, and we need to get people baptized as quick as possible when they get saved. And uh, pastor, uh, in the home church, if you'll remember, uh, when we did judgment, about 130 people got saved. And out of those 130, 15 got baptized in the next service they had for, from, that, from that thing. Amen? Fifteen baptized. So that's an awesome, awesome thing. So prepare the way of the Lord, the Bible says. Make straight the line in the desert. Sorry, in the desert, a highway for our God. And look at this. Every valley shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill be made low. Crooked places shall be made straight. Rough places smooth. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall, shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now, obviously, the book of Isaiah, prophets, especially the book of the prophets, are always more interesting than other books because they are obviously speaking of the future. Okay, this is Isaiah, Jeremiah, and all the major prophets are, are in their totality, in their general speaking, are speaking of 
uh, the time of the coming of Christ and of the millennial reign and of the tribulation and of those things. But it means also that it's for today. And so it can be used for both things. Amen. And so this can be used for us today. This is something, as it says, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it. It's talking in general about the end times when the Lord, when the, the world will see the glory of God. But how many know we can see the glory of God before the end times and before Jesus comes back in the millennial reign? Amen. And so I want you to look at a few things tonight. First of all, the first part of that says make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The word highway means to be raised up, means to be elevated. Okay. And so as as we're looking at this, how many know tonight that God always, his goal is always that we would get closer to him, that we would grow in him that our relationship would be elevated in him, that we would know more about him than we knew before, that we would love him more than we loved him before, that we would seek him more than we've sought him before. And so that's when it's talking about a highway in, 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 the, in the desert and a highway for our God, it's talking about that if we draw close to God, he wants to draw close to us. And he wants us to be closer to him today than we were yesterday. And more next week than we were today. Amen. And that's a constant desire of him. But just just for a minute, I want to show you each individual a few things here. Number one in this verse is every valley shall be exalted. So as revival comes on Sunday and starts Sunday morning, first of all, I hope that every one of you has decided I'm going to be at every service. I'm going to be at every single service. Amen. And, and if, if you can't make it, you can ask God to open a door. Because I believe Not just because this is our head pastor. I believe this is a Kairos moment for our church. I believe this is a time for such a time as this, for this revival. It's not a, it's not an accident. It's going to happen in these dates. It's not an accident that, that this revival is taking place now. It's God's will for our church. And I believe that if you've never, if you've ever been in a revival before, this is the one that you need to be at. Amen. There's some things that are going to take place that are going to be supernatural and miraculous. And I know this is a great, great opportunity for our church. So please say from right now in your mind, as we go forth, I am going to make a way to be here. And, and, and listen, I know that one of the greatest things that gets in our way besides ourselves is work sometimes. And so you might have something already scheduled and you might have, uh, maybe you work nights. We have two people that have all kinds of different shifts. If you really ask God, God can do miraculous things. If God sees in your heart that you want to be at this revival, he will open doors. Amen. And so you just put it in his hands and you say, Lord, I want to be there every night. I want to be at every service. I want to make a way and I don't want to miss, as we've been talking, one of those services. Why? Because church is vital to my life. Remember that from Sunday. So as you're getting ready, these are some things your spirit should be doing for revival. Because it's not any good to just say, oh, we're going to show up at revival. It's going to be cool. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be powerful. If God doesn't do something individually in you. If he doesn't do something individually in me. Amen. So the first one says, every valley shall be exalted. Isaiah is referring to a filling process. Okay. So when you think about a valley... It means a crevice, a gutter, or a low place. Listen, this, th- this speaks to the areas in our lives that are lacking. Okay? As you go through this revival, if you'll come with the spirit of saying, God, what are the areas in my life 
Remember, this isn't what are the areas in my spouse's life or what are the areas in my friend's life or what are the areas in somebody else's life. This is what are the areas in my life, amen, that are, that are, that are crevices, that are a low place, that are a gutter, that are lacking in my life. And listen, let me give you some good news and bad at the same time, but better good. All of us have low places. Every one of us, doesn't matter how close you are to God, you've got low places in your life. You've got areas you can improve in. Amen. There's got areas you can get better. For some, it's spiritual. Prayer life, Bible reading, church attendance, unforgiveness, guilt, anger, self-righteousness, all kinds of different things that you could throw out that you're dealing with personally in your life. And so you're saying, God, those areas that are, that are low in my life, those areas that are Think about low, pulling me down. Amen, kind of like the baggage message. Things that are holding me down and not allowing me to run this race fully. You say, God, in this revival, I'm asking that those places would be lifted up and I would come out of that gutter in the areas of my life that I need to come out of and every valley would be exalted. For some, it might be physical. Not spirit, just spiritual, it might be financial, marital, uh, hardships of life, relationships, activities. This is kind of going along with what we've been talking about. Activities that have been pulling you away from church. You've, you've seen God move in your life and then activities begin to rise up. Uh, watch this. Opportunities begin to rise up. Watch your life and see that when God begins to move in your life, opportunities. And now listen, at this moment, I'm talking about negative ones. Negative opportunities, raises, uh, job promotions, and the money part is great. But if it begins to take away from your walk, if it begins to take away from your commitment to the Lord, if it get, begins to make you miss church and begin to pull away from your responsibilities to the Lord, that's not good. Can you say Amen. And so you got to be careful to balance that and say, man, God, when, when things were bad and you were really blessing, you started to really bless me. I was it's because I was getting my life in order. And then when I got it in order, you began to bless me and I lost my focus. And then now I'm back where I was before. Amen. So every valley shall be exalted. Number two. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. It's just the opposite. These are the areas of my life where I need to be brought back down to earth. Amen? Means I need to be humbled. These are areas that I've allowed to, to myself to become prideful. Allowed myself to believe that I'm more than I am. Or this could be barriers stopping God from moving in my life. Barriers stopping God from moving in my life. Some of these are jealousy and lust and pride, unfaithfulness, worry, hypocrisy, disobedience to the will of God, busyness, fear, guilt, unforgiveness. These are areas that, that, are, that, are, that are, are, are becoming barriers in my life that I need to remove. And like I said, the first one, the biggest of those is pride. Okay? Number three. This is a really good one. The crooked shall be made straight. Now I'm taking these right out of these verses. The crooked shall be made straight. How many have got some things in here tonight that if you're honest, uh, they're not totally destroyed, but they're out of whack. Okay? How many have ever driven your car and your car was running and it was getting you from point A to point B, 
But if you took your hands off the wheel, you were veering off the road. So your alignment was messed up. Amen. Your, your car still runs. The battery still starts. The alternator works and all that. But your car is pulling off to the side. So this is an area where God says, hey, you're, you're moving forward, but you're also moving off the path that I have for you. And you're veering off. And there's some crooked areas in your life. I want to get straight. How many know a good alignment and some good tires will fix that? Amen. That's good. That's good. You just go in. You say, hey, I got, I'm going off when it's pulling. It's pulling one way or the other. And they put that on the machine and all that. And so you put yourself up there spiritually. And you say, God, during this revival, the areas that I'm pulling off, because how many know it's better to go get that alignment before you wreck, before your tires pop, before bad things happen. You go get an alignment. You go get it fixed up. And then you get back on to where you still have your hands on the road, but it's not pulling on you all the time. So you say, God, what are the areas in my life that are crooked that need to be made straight? That could be sometimes the way we think. How many have ever gotten to where your thinking gets a little out of line? Why? Because we're flesh. Maybe it's something you've watched. Maybe it's somebody's talked to you at work. Maybe somebody's put a, 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 a thought in your head and you've allowed those things to go and you begin to say, well, maybe that's true. Maybe, that's, maybe that is right. And you're not looking at the Bible and so this thing needs to come back. So hopefully during this revival, you're going to hear some words. You're going to hear some verses. You're going to hear some messages. They're going to say, hey, that area right there, get back on track on that again. Get that straight. It needs to be knocked back in. Amen. It speaks to the road that is, watch this, deceptive in nature. Okay? The areas in my life that I'm allowing to be deceived. Again, none of these things I'm talking about, none of us should be saying, nah, I don't have a problem there. Because we all have some a problem in, some of the, in one of these areas. Okay? In each one. At least I'll put myself there. There's something in that area where I say, I, I, I could be straighter. Don't be happy with, with, with 80%. Don't be happy with 90%. Want 100% in every part of your life. God, if it's even the slightest little crooked area of my life, get your spiritual hammer and bang that thing back in. Put it back in alignment. Amen. Put it right. How many know you can have a nice looking car or a nice looking church van and you can have one dent on it and it can make the whole thing look ugly. Amen. It doesn't take much. And you can drive that thing around and one side of that thing can look good. But if you see the other side, it looks horrible. It doesn't matter if you just put new decals on it. It doesn't matter if it has new tires. It doesn't matter if you just got it detailed. It doesn't matter if it's paid off. It's got a big old dent in it. Amen. And when it gets fixed, it looks good again. Amen. That wasn't my fault, by the way. Just in case you're wondering. Amen. My dad bears witness. He was in the car with me. So how many get what I'm saying? That little dent right there, it's not affecting maybe necessarily the, the, the total vision of your life, but it doesn't look good. You say, God, I don't even want that little blemish in my life. Straighten that out, will you? And then you take it into the shop and they do what they do. They get behind it and they hit it with the hammer and they put a little bit of their putty on it and they sand it down and they paint it and it looks like brand new again. That can happen in a revival. And that can be in your walk, that can be in your marriage, that can be in whatever. But there's some areas where we, we've got to be careful that we're not being deceived or falling into slippery areas in our lives. So he says, make these things straight. Okay? Now some areas, before I move on to the next one that I might have already said, but I got them in my notes, is relationships, work, self-righteousness, or recreation or hobbies. 
seen this so many times over the years. Again, someone got, God begins to bless somebody. And, and here's just a generic example. God begins to bless somebody. They've been praying for a better job. They get a better job. God begins to bless their finances. They're faithful tithers. God begins to bless their finances. And then all of a sudden, they begin to have a little extra money. And they really like to, uh, what's it called when you go out on the lake with the jet ski? You really like to jet ski or you really like to a boat. And you, you take that blessing God has given you and you go buy some jet skis or a boat. And then all of a sudden, instead of being at church on Sunday, you're on the jet skis or the boat. That's, that's a, a, a crooked road. That's a straight road made crooked. And you're saying, as you're out on the boat on Sunday morning, you're, you're saying, man, God blessed me with this boat. Hallelujah. Amen. And you're saying, man, God blessed me with these jet skis. But God wants you to be in church thanking him for the jet skis and then on the jet skis on Saturday. Or some other day that's not church. How many get what I'm saying? But then you all of a sudden you say, man, we had such a great time last week. Wasn't that fun? And you met someone out on the lake and they say, man, let's do this again next weekend. And you, hey, go, let's do it Saturday. No, we can't do it Saturday. We got stuff going on. Well, let's do it Sunday. And then all of a sudden, two weeks in a row, you're on the, on the lake on the jet skis, thanking God for the jet skis you have. That sounds crazy, but those things happen. It's the sly, deceitful paths that the devil takes us down. And listen, worldliness leads to destruction. Amen? So we must stay on the path of, listen, submission, surrender, and obedience to the will of God. This, th there is nothing wrong with going on jet skis. It's fun. There's nothing wrong with going to the lake. There's nothing wrong with having fun. There's nothing wrong with having hobbies. But don't put those things in the place of God's house. That's what we've been talking about. Amen. You'll have a better time in a time when it's not church. God will, God will be, Jesus will be right there with you. Holy Spirit right there with you. Saying, isn't this fun? Didn't I bless you? Amen. Because he wants us to be happy. When we keep him prioritized. Last one. Four. The rough places plain. Now we, this is one we can all relate to. We all got some rough areas. Amen. We all got some rough areas in us. This means to, a, to be a smoothing process. A smoothing process. We talked about this, I think, in discipleship. I can't remember when we talked about stone. Yeah. We were talking about Nehemiah. We were talking about building that wall. And we were talking about how stones can be burnt. And on the outside, they look burnt and they look ugly and they look messed up. But all you got to do is polish those things off a little bit and clean them up. And the exterior part that got burnt will be removed. And below it is a smooth, beautiful stone again. And that's what that's what we allow again to do. Sometimes relationships, situations, things happen or, or we've, we were smooth. Things were riding smooth. We were doing good in the Lord. Our character, our attitudes, our relationships were good. And, and along the way, it got bumpy and we didn't deal with it. How many know if you deal with it quickly, it won't get big? Right? It's easier to, to sand that thing out if it's not too big. If you'll sand it out every, every day in prayer, sand it out in the word. And so some things need to be leveled out in our lives. How many know balance is the best thing you can have in your walk? A lot of times, maybe you do this too. When I'm having conversations with people about God, maybe it's another pastor, maybe it's uh, someone in the church. I'm talking about the Lord and, I, and we're talking about a, a situation or a topic 
And I always feel like I come back to saying, you know what I've learned over the years is balance is the key. If I stay balanced on every topic, if I stay balanced on every situation, then I'm not going out into left or right field. I'm not going out into one extreme or the other. I'm staying in the middle. Amen. In situations. I'm not getting off in the craziness. I'm staying leveled out on things. So the word rough, listen to this, means to be, it refers to those things that are, that are, that are impassable. Or it's so rough that they're almost bound up. Okay? You can get to a place in your walk where things are bound up. So that means a situation happened and instead of dealing with it, it's binding you up. Okay? How many of you don't deal with a situation when it happens, it stays there? And then the next day something else happens and it, it adds to it. And it keeps getting worse and worse and worse. And the longer you wait to deal with it, it gets to a place where it seems almost un- unlevelable. Almost gets to a place where you feel like this can't be made smooth again. How many are thankful that God can do anything like that? Amen. God can level out anything. He can smooth out anything if we turn to Him and ask Him. Amen. Here's some things. Listen, here's some things that can be rough edges in our life. Gossip, envy, anger, unforgiveness, hatred, a bad temper, bad habits, arrogance, tardiness, prayerlessness, impurity and talk, thoughts and motives. Those are all things that if those are not dealt with at the moment, they begin to get rough. Okay? So when I read those things... Gossip, envy, anger, unforgiveness, slackness, hatred, bad temper, bad habits, arrogance, tardiness, prayerlessness, impurity, and talk, thoughts and motives. All those words, all those things are things we all deal with. Unless you're not human. But if you don't deal with it at the moment and allow the Spirit of God to convict you about it and, and say, hey, that's a rough area in your life. You're, you're offending other people. You're, 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 you're not bringing glory to my name. You're, you're, you're hurting other people. You're causing to rub people the wrong way. And these different things are happening. If you don't deal with it right then, then it's going to grow. Okay? Now, when I say that, I think about this. How about some of the little things that sometimes in our own mind we don't see really anything wrong with? Anybody have that kind of stuff in your life? You say, man, that's not really a big deal. But if the Holy Spirit convicts you, it's a big deal. Amen? And sometimes you can be right, but be wrong. Do you get that? Sometimes you can be right in a situation, but you can be wrong. And so you have to be careful to allow the Holy Spirit to, to deal with you on the little things. Sometimes we come into a revival and we say, oh, God, just an example, I've got cancer or I've got my marriage is destroyed or, man, I've got to have a miracle financially. And you're thinking of all the big things God needs to do and he can do all those things, but you miss out on the little things that God wants to do in you. Little areas that can make a big difference in your life. Talking about the things that we excuse as our own little weakness. I'm just weak in that area. And so because we're weak in that area, we excuse it or we justify it. God doesn't want that. God wants us to say, Lord, I don't want anything in my life that's affecting our relationship. The smallest little thing, I want want you to take care of it. Amen. Think about your house for a second. Another generic example. 
If you don't clean up every time you spill something, what's going to happen? Well, a whole list of things are going to happen, but I'll give you a few. First of all, that little stain, if you don't deal with it, is going to get ugly. If you don't clean it up right then, it's going to stain your carpet or ruin it. Then next time something gets spilled or something happens, you've got another stain next to it. After a while, you're going to get to a place, if you don't watch it, that you're not going to care any longer if anything spills. You're just going to be like, ah, it's no big deal. The carpet's already dirty. It looks horrible anyways. And it's just going to keep on building and building and building. And you might not really recognize that your house is not really clean. But somebody else might come in and say, wow. Me and Kristen were looking the other day at couches. We were trying to find a couch. We had, had, had the need of a couch for quite a while. And we were looking, and it was so funny because these people took a picture of their couch. And the couch was decent looking. But the floor looked like World War III had happened on it. Seriously, it was like black carpet with all these stains. And I think there was food on there. It was crazy. We're thinking, man, they should have photo edited that out or something. Because just looking at the floor made me not want to even consider the couch. Right? So there might, how many can see a picture right there of your walk? Y'all seeing that? You can say, well, my house in general is pretty clean. But this little area right here is affecting my general walk. And if I don't deal with that, and if I don't clean that up, it's going to get to a place where, hey, I can fix the carpet, but I'm, instead of cleaning it, I'm going to tear it out and get new carpet. Right? Y'all follow me? So, so if we don't deal with it at the moment, it just continues to grow and grow and grow and gets to a place where it's not good. If we allow these rough places in our walk, we have to say, Lord, I want, I want to genuinely allow you to smooth these things out. Let's go to Romans 13 and I'll close. Romans 13. Look back over Isaiah before the revival starts. Maybe even every service, maybe every morning of the revival. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Read those verses again and come into the services and say, Lord, touch me in these areas. Romans 13 is the last verse I want you to see. Give me a big amen when you get there. Verse 11. This is powerful. And do this, it says, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of our sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. How I many know that's an undeniable fact? The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in reverently and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but to put on, watch this, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh. No provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Amen? Let me read that last part again. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. How much provision should we leave for the flesh? Zero. That's the, I think that as we close right now, that's the difference between an overcomer and someone who's not making it in God. It's how much flesh they allow. We've been talking about that a lot lately says make no provision for the flesh. An overcomer is over here saying, 
I see a stain. I'm going to deal with that right now. I could look at the general carpet and say, man, it looks pretty good, but there's a stain right there. I've got to deal with that. I've got to get rid of that. Because that stain's going to grow if I don't deal with it. That stain, not only is that stain going to grow, it's going to, you know what stains do? And dirt and garbage and things, they attract things that are not good. Like ants and cockroaches and mice. Amen. Are you all with me? This is truth. Little sins, little things attract the enemy. So we have to be looking at our life, especially in a revival, saying, God, I don't want anything. I don't want nothing. No, 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 no provision for flesh. Not justifying or looking for what we get away with. And you come into a revival and you say, Lord, every word that's going to come out of that man, man of God's mouth is for me. Give it to me. Give it to me. Lord, give it to me. Speak. Oh, that's for me. That's for me. That's for me. Yes. 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 I'm responding, Lord, to that. I'm coming. Yes. Amen. Because you don't want even the smallest bit of provision of the flesh in your life. Amen. Now, let me give you just to write this down. So you can. So you, so that's personal. OK, that's the attitude you should have coming into this revival. Personal. Those verses, the rough places made smooth. The. Uh, High places made low. The mountains be, sorry, mountains be made low. The valleys be exalted. The crooked made straight. And the rough places made plain. But here's four things you can do corporately to make this a revival of success. Number one, be praying. Amen? Be praying. We need some people to be fasting between now and Sunday. As the Lord puts on your heart. We don't ever uh, say, you know, hold you to anything. We ask you between you and God to say, hey, I'll do that. I'll pray and fast. Number two, be here. Be here. The best thing you can do for revival is be here. Every service. Be here physically. Physically be here. And then try to invite people to come with you. Don't say, hey, man, make it out to revival and then not be here. Amen? Number three. Pastor mentioned this is at the offering. Prepare ahead of time how you can help with, and give. These revivals cost money. Pastor Jones is not walking here. Amen? And he's not going to walk around while he's here. We've got a hotel. We paid for a plane ticket. He's going to have a car. We're going to give him an offering. And so one of the worst things we can do is have a revival... And this always happens, not the second part, the first part. We always get blessed at a revival. God always speaks. God heals. God delivers. God does something inside of us and stirs us up. And I think the, it's not that we pay for a miracle. It's that we say, you know what? This, this thing has touched my life, and I want to give back to this thing. I want to help be a part of what God did in my life during this revival. Not just a taker. Amen. And like Pastor said, that, I'm, I'm not saying this because we don't do it. I'm just telling you, we, we're an awesome giving church. But we want to be givers and not takers. And the last one is come expecting. Every service. Sunday morning, when we start this revival, and the music starts, and the first song begins to be sung, because of the spirit of expectancy, 
It's going to be like electricity in here. Because God is here. And because of our expectancy that every single one of us brings, God's going to move in a powerful way because we expect Him to move. Amen?